Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. If you are a visitor here with us today, welcome to University Avenue Church of Christ. My name is Mitchell East, and I'm the preaching minister here at this church. If you are visiting with us, we have visitor's cards in the pew racks in front of you. And at the end of our service, we take an offering from the members of our church. And when those trays are passed around, uh, we'd love for you to fill out that visitor's card and put it in that tray so that we can reach out to you and let you know that you have a place here at this church. Uh, We think this morning is an incredible opportunity to focus on what's most important. So we invite everyone to silence or turn off their cell phones throughout the service. Uh, so that we can all be here worshiping God together. Uh, We also invite kids to participate in our children's worship. It's fitting for them. And if you have kids from two years old and below, we have a nursery available during the service. And kids from three years old to six years old will have a kids' worship in the service that Ben will dismiss for. Um, Our mission at this church, if you're not familiar with this church, is to love God and love others. And this past week, uh, Allison and I were with my family in Brownwood, Texas, and I have two brothers, both of whom are married, and both of whom have four kids, okay? So total, we had eight kids under eight years old for a week. And I'm, I'm really glad to report that all of the adults made it out alive. We're still, we're all still here, uh, and we're, we're, really, we're really pleased with that. Uh, One of the best things about watching my brothers become fathers is their love for their children. One of the most incredible things to witness, just as an uncle, is watching a mother or father love their sons and daughters. And it's no mistake that God reveals himself as our Heavenly Father. Not to bring to mind the idea that God is a man but that God loves us as parents love their children, which is to say that before we ever love God, before we ever love God, God loves us first. So we're going to spend this morning, like we do every week, worshiping Him together. So I'd like you to stand and worship Him. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again. In Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name, I come to you to share his love as he told me to. And he said, freely, freely you have received, freely, freely give, and go. Because you believe, others will know that I live. All power is given in Jesus' name, in earth and death. In Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name, my son, to share his And he said, freely, freely, you have received, freely, freely, 
go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I live. There is a Redeemer, Jesus Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit still. The work on earth is done. And Jesus, my Redeemer, name above. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your time and seek ye first the kingdom of God. And tears right just Ask and it shall be given unto you, and seek and
Join me in prayer. Father, we uh, come in worship and praise of you. Lord, we are in awe of your wonder that you would uh, choose the weak and frail vessels that we are to bestow your glory and your image upon us. Lord, we look at this nation and we recognize uh, that we are in need of you. We look at this world and we see so much strife. We see people who are being cast from their homes, driven out by wars and poverty. And then we sit in our own wealth. So, Lord, we pray that you would give wisdom to leaders. We pray that the, the peace would come in this world. Lord, we pray for those that would be coming up to our own borders from Central America, and Lord, we pray for the, the offering that will be given in a couple weeks here, and joined by other congregations in this city, to uh, to help those who come with only the clothes on their back. Lord, I pray that the response and that the use of those funds would be an honor and a glory to you. We pray for those that are in foreign places that we are connected to, uh, that support your work that are working with many that are refugees. Lord, we pray for Lorena, and Johnny, and Scamia, in Syria, and Jordan. We pray, pray for uh, the Napiers in Greece, for Jane, and Apata, and, and Argentina, for uh, the church in St. Petersburg. And uh, we thank you that Joel Petty and his family have, have come to stay with us. We pray that you would help them in that transition. And, Lord, we have many here who we lift up uh, for the Cobb family and the recent loss of David, and for the family of Pat Davis. We pray you'd bring them comfort and peace, uh, assurance of your presence and, a strong, and lots of love and hands and your arms around them and means of your body. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling with health issues, for Michael Cross, for Maisie Hamrick, for Beverly Getty, for Michael Steele, for Annalise Danielowski, for Judy Brooks, for AC, for Strength, Peggy Tarvin, Richard Demange, Richard Melton, and Jane and Jim Bradfield, and Camille Noel, and Jean Nelson Jones, for Max and Sylvia Miller, for Julia Wilhoyt. Lord, there are those that struggle uh, 
bring for stability. And we pray for Wesley and for, for Jaime. We pray that you would heal and give them strength as well. Father, we pray for uh, for those that are not with us right now, for students that are abroad, you know, LST teams, uh, Natalie and, and, and others that are um, fulfilling responsibilities this summer. And Lord, we pray that you would bring them back to us soon. And Lord, we have others that are making plans to leave, to go off into new careers and new paths of education. We pray that you would guide their steps, that you would keep them faithful to you, that you would reveal yourself to them even as they walk each and every day. Lord, we all are in need of you. We recognize our weakness, and we pray that you would help us to bear your glory and your image in this world. And we know that means a cross. Often. So we pray that you give us courage and faith to bear that cross faithfully. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, let us pray together. Uh, the prayer we pray every week. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. guys will be standing. Um, and as Mitch mentioned earlier, uh, we have worship set up. Uh, even though Laura Kate uh, is married and uh, off on her honeymoon, she has still put in so much time to make sure that there's a worship experience that uh, all these kids uh, can uh, really interact with and understand. So if you have kids from three all the way to kindergarten, uh, you're more than welcome to take them out uh, in the back. Let's continue worship. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all And seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. And Jesus, Lamb of God, Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all. And when I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all. And Jesus. Lamb of God, worthy is your name, and Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, and Jesus, taking my sin, my cross, my shame, Rising again, I bless your name. 
of Proverbs. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. The lazy do not roast their game, but the diligent obtain precious wealth. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Some pretend to be rich, yet have nothing. Others pretend to be poor, yet have great wealth. Wealth is a ransom for a person's life, but the poor get no threats. The good leave an inheritance to their children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Riches do not profit in the day of the wrath, but righteous delivers from death. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. This is the word of the Lord. In this series... We're preaching on wisdom, and wisdom, as we've said throughout the series, is practical knowledge from God to navigate a fallen world, which means that as long as this world is fallen, we need wisdom to flourish. We can't be naive about what we need to live and thrive. And according to Proverbs, one of the most basic things we need is money. We need money for food, for water, for shelter, for transportation, for electricity. Our homeless brothers and sisters at this church would be the first to remind us that these basics are not assumed by everyone. The world doesn't just offer us these things on a silver platter. We need them, and they aren't always given. But our culture doesn't really share this view of money as just a basic necessity. And whether or not you think our culture has the best economy possible doesn't change the fact that our economy is not neutral. Our economy views you and me and everyone outside of this room as a consumer. Not as someone made by God, not as someone made in the image of God— but as 
a consumer. It doesn't want you to keep something that just works. It wants you to buy whatever is new. It doesn't want you to get the basic necessities. It wants you to be greedy. It doesn't want you to restrain yourself. It wants to enable you to spend money that you don't have. And it has little mercy when you end up with debt you can't pay back. It keeps the rich rich and the poor stuck in cycles of poverty. Our culture doesn't view money as just a basic necessity to get what we need, but as a God worthy of worship. And you may think that's really dramatic, but Jesus himself warned all of his followers about treating money on par with God. And if there's any culture or any country on planet Earth that idolizes money, it's ours. Now, fortunately, in the midst of all of that insanity and all of that chaos, Christians have wisdom to offer. It's not our own wisdom, but God's wisdom. And what I love about the wisdom in Proverbs about money is that it's a heavy dose of realism. The Proverbs are realistic about money's necessity in a fallen world. But it's also realistic about money's contribution to the fallenness of the world. And the Proverbs are very realistic about money's inability to meet your deepest needs. So I want to begin with the proverb on money that surprised me the most. We, every week when we've been preaching on Proverbs, we just walk through a sample of Proverbs about a topic. And the one that shocked me most was Proverbs 22, verse 4. It says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches? I mean, I'm very allergic to the health and wealth gospel. I'm very allergic when people say that if you're just humble and you just do the right things, that God is going to make you rich. And then this proverb comes along and says that God can, if he wills, give people the gift of money. Now, we've got to remember that Jesus was totally humble, totally revered God perfectly, and he was homeless. But this proverb is saying that money is one of God's gifts to us. And I couldn't find the source to this quote, but I think it's perfect to start off this sermon. Having money is always a gift from God. But most gifts from God aren't money. Having money is always a gift from God, but most gifts from God aren't money. Proverbs says that God really can give us the gift of money, but has a lot more to say about money. Proverbs 10, 15 says, the wealth of the rich is their fortress, and the poverty of the poor is their ruin. One of the most important things you need to know when reading the Proverbs is that there is a big difference between Proverbs that describe the way the world works and prescribe the way we should live. This proverb is just telling you how the world works. The rich use their money to protect themselves. The poor's lack of money leaves them defenseless. These are just facts, 
facts in a fallen world that the rich often find refuge in money. Does that mean they should find refuge in their money? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean we should be naive either. This proverb tells us being poor is not something we should glamorize. Each week on Wednesday nights, we have something called All God's Children. We've got a lot of homeless brothers and sisters in there. And they would be the first to assure you poverty is not glamorous. Sometimes rich Americans or rich Christians can think about how great it would be if we just lived simpler lives. But you can ask anybody on Wednesday night, if you come, that poverty is often the ruin of the poor. That's not the way the world should be. That's not the world, the way the world, we want the world to be. But it is the fallen world that we live in. The wealth of the rich is their fortress, and the poverty of the poor is ruined. But that doesn't mean wealth just gives you this incredible life. Proverbs 13, 8 says, Wealth is a ransom for a person's life, but the poor get no threats. What that means is, when you're rich, people want your money. And they will do things to take it from you. A money-filled life is not a stress-free life. I knew a really wealthy Christian in Atlanta whose wealth stressed him out. It was a vicious cycle. He had a, really, a, a job that gave him an unbelievable salary. That gave him pressure to live a certain kind of lifestyle that always required that amount of money. That meant that he really needed to keep his job to maintain that lifestyle. And on and on and on it went. He got so stressed that he had a heart attack inside the church. Someone in the parking lot, this is not, this is not a joke, I've, these people told me this story, uh, heard a voice tell her to go inside, back inside the church. She was a doctor and saved his life. He retired the next week because his job, his wealth, his lifestyle that required so much money was killing him. And the Proverbs already know this. Wealth is a ransom for a person's life. But the poor get no threats. Proverbs continues with a lot of painful realism about money. 13.7 says, Some pretend to be rich, yet have nothing. Others pretend to be poor, yet have great wealth. This proverb just shows us how much we serve money. How, how much we want to appear to others to have money. Throughout this past year, I've been meeting with different college ministers, uh, all, all connected to UT. And I was talking to a minister who's worked with UT students for over two decades. And this is not trying to be judgmental. He was just describing his experience with UT students. He said, uh, the, the students 20 years ago would often say, I, I just can't afford that. I'm just trying to pay for school. I can't afford this or that or the other. And he said that most of his students today, because of credit cards, just buy whatever they want. And that's not saying that these students are worse than others in the past. It's saying that our culture 
is built on this pretense about money that you need to demonstrate to everybody around you just how much money you have. And if you don't have it, well, there are credit cards for that. Because some pretend to be rich, yet have nothing. And it may sound really strange when when Proverbs says, others pretend to be poor, yet have great wealth. It sounds strange at first. Why would anyone pretend to be poor? But I bet if I asked everyone in this room to raise your hand, if you're rich, there would be an uncomfortable silence. Like right now. Because no one, regardless of how much money you have, wants to say they're rich. And no one wants other people to know that they know they're rich. When doing research for this sermon, I found out that in Finland, they have something called a National Jealousy Day. This is not a joke. Every citizen's income on National Jealousy Day is made public. Okay, y'all are proving this proverb right. No one wants other people to believe that they are rich. If I asked all of us, raise your hand if you're rich, you would try to think of all these questions, but am I really rich in comparison to like millionaires? We make all of these excuses to try and deny the fact that we have the money we have. I'm not saying National Jealousy Day is a good idea. I'm just saying that every day in America is National Jealousy Day. We already are so envious of each other. We already want to pretend that we have more money than we do and pretend that we don't. There's this incredible book called How Much is Enough by Robert and Edward Sklodowsky. And they point out that in the past, people didn't have, they they didn't use money. They bartered and exchanged with goods and services. And the question was not, how much does this thing cost me? The question was, what is this good for? Can it accomplish the thing that I need it for? But things changed monumentally when we started using money. Because instead of asking what possessions are good for, we acquire money and forget about the question of what the money is for. So we just let wealth amass and get bigger and bigger in our bank accounts, and we never ask the question, how much is enough? Tim Keller has an incredible line in his book, Counterfeit Gods, and it's about money and wealth, and he says, money has the incredible power of making us oblivious to it. We're oblivious, or try to be oblivious about how much money we have and how much we don't. And because money has this incredible power for, uh, to be ignored, we need to keep in mind what the Proverbs actually says is more important than money. And because we're in church, you, you know, you think you know the obvious answer, God is more important than money. But Proverbs is way more specific. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy are those who find wisdom and get understanding, for she is more profitable than silver. She yields better returns 
than gold. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that in Proverbs, wisdom is personified as this woman. And the Proverbs often take on this voice of a father and mother teaching their son. And what the idea is, this is the woman you should seek. The woman is wisdom. She's more valuable than all the money in the world. And that might seem like a cute truism to say at church, but it's something we continue to ignore. That proverb is supposed to remind us of Solomon. Y'all probably know his story if if you grew up in church, right? God tells Solomon, you can ask for anything. And what did he ask God for? He asked God for wisdom. And God says, since you have asked for wisdom and not for long life or wealth for yourself, I will do what you asked. I will give you a wise heart. But moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for wealth and honor. And when you read that story, you're thinking, okay, Solomon is taking his own medicine in Proverbs. He knows that wisdom is more valuable than gold. But then in just a few chapters, King Solomon starts a little building project, and he forces 30,000 Israelite men to work the job. He just so happens to not pay them. He greedily refuses to pay his own people for a building project and starts to look a lot more like Pharaoh than a good king. And this is the decision we face all the time, and we don't really want to put it in these stark of terms, but it is the question, will we go after wisdom to seek what God thinks is most valuable, or will we value money and sacrifice our relationship to God for it. I mean, Paul states this clearly. He says greed is idolatry. Wanting more and more and more and more is a God that you worship. And Proverbs <laughs> warns you, if you go down that wrath, you will not like it in the end. Because Proverbs eleven fourteen says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The day of wrath is the Proverbs way of talking about final judgment. The Bible from start to finish talks about how God will be the judge of us all, that he will get rid of evil forever. But on that day, the biggest bank account in the world will not affect God in the slightest. It doesn't matter what you stored up. It doesn't matter how much inheritance you leave behind. Money is needed for life, but it will do nothing for eternal life. Only righteousness will deliver us from death. And I love how the Proverbs, sometimes all these scholars think that the Proverbs talks about God rewarding people with money over and over and over. But I think the Proverbs levels the playing field between the rich and the poor. Proverbs 22, 2 says, rich, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And this is the proverb I want to end on. This is the, uh, the, the realistic view of money I think is so liberating. If you are poor, and some of the Christians in this room are poor, you have a creator. Someone who made you in his image, and you are worthy of dignity and respect. End of story. And if you're rich, 
You did not make yourself by your hard work. You have a maker. Because the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. I want to end with a prayer that I wish I would, I would make my life's prayer. It's actually in Proverbs. It says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. But then the second thing is, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. That prayer sounds a lot like Jesus, who told us to ask God for our daily bread. This is so countercultural to a culture that worships money. There is one God who makes all rich or poor, whatever amount of money you have, God is your maker. We need to ask God, not for poverty or for riches, but just for what we need. This is the realistic view, the wise take on money that we have to offer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've given us. All of life is a gift. We know that we couldn't have it without you. But our culture teaches us to worship money like a god. And so we pray for your wisdom from Proverbs about money. We know it's needed in this life, but we know its limits. It's not you. It cannot give us the basic necessities of what our soul really needs. We pray that you continually remind us just what money is for.